Welcome to the Healthcare Weekly Podcast, where you can learn about the innovative ideas and technologies reshaping the healthcare industry. Join over 150,000 monthly readers and listeners all over the world. Each week, we sit down with some of the most brilliant minds in healthcare to learn what the future holds. The Healthcare Weekly Podcast, healthcare innovation starts here. Welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Weekly Podcast. I'm Coach Narsin, the Digital Authority Partner and Healthcare Weekly. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Madhu Reddy-Boyna. He's the CEO at ReadyMinds, a data sciences service provider company out of Michigan. Madhu, thank you so much for joining the Healthcare Weekly Podcast. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. So, Madhu, your company works in the space of data sciences, which is kind of like a nebulous thing. We've been hearing data science, data science for quite a while now, but I'm sure many of our listeners are still not quite 100% grasping what really data science is and how it applies to healthcare. So can you talk a little bit about that with say the 30,000 elevator pitch on what data science is and how it works in the healthcare system? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So in my mind, I mean, there's a lot of words that are used to describe the same thing. And there's data science as a practice is a word that is used to describe artificial intelligence work that comes out of doing data science or machine learning or deep learning. All these different ways, all these different technological evolutions, they're more about process of how to build something, right? In my mind, my simple definition of AI is any system that can learn from data and can become a useful utility for humankind. That's a very simple definition. I don't think you will find that anywhere else because this is how I think about it. Data science, again, it's been around for a long time. If your viewers or your audience are in this community, they probably know some of them are statisticians that now they're calling themselves data scientists. A lot of engineers and developers are calling themselves data scientists, and that's why the nebulousness is all around us, rightfully so, because no one can really tell you exactly what that means because everybody gives you a different answer. So hopefully I give you some bigger picture view of how I think about what the world of AI and data science and all that is. In my mind, ultimately, AI is just the implementation of some sort of a predictive model. And data science is just the entire process that involves like processing, analyzing, visualizing, and predicting based on data sets. But you're right, like data science and AI, they're terms that continue to be used interchangeably, which is, of course just adding to a little bit of the confusion right. around what different terms really mean. So what about the healthcare space? Like healthcare is the number one employer in this country as an industry. It's also the biggest cost that we incur as a society. Where does data science play a role in healthcare, in your opinion? You're absolutely right. Last we checked, it's almost 2.5 trillion a year is what we spend. And now with the COVID, who knows what that number is. The one way I would think about or explain this is we need to look at it from a patient's journey perspective. Like there's a lot of different frameworks out there that people define where in healthcare is innovation happening, right? I'd like to look at it more from a patient's perspective. From the time the patient is born or a person is born, to their end of life, if you zoom in on a specific disease, a person could be diagnosed with a certain disease. And then they go through some sort of a care delivery mechanism. And 
let's say they're cured. Now, you can essentially apply that kind of a high-level view of things in pretty much every disease. So you have a patient that is diagnosed with something and they go through a care path and then they are, let's say they're cured. Now, after that, there's post-care monitoring that happens. And before people are even diagnosed with anything, there's a whole bunch of field that is focused on preventative care. So in my mind, in that journey of a person, human, from the time they're born to the time of their end of their life, there are many touch points that happen with health systems that are now digitized, that are digital and non-digital touch points with health systems and healthcare organizations. And there is a lot of power in that information that systems can learn from so that they can augment the clinicians with better predictability of how a certain treat or care path could help or certain care paths will not help. So there's opportunity across pretty much every disease that you can think of if you intersect the patient journey with the diseases. In the preventative care area, there's lifestyle management, diet, exercise, anti-aging, nutraceuticals, all these different fields within that healthcare arena has a lot of applicability for data science and predictive analytics. And if you look at the care diagnosis itself, we were talking about offline before, their FDA has approved a number of diagnosis tools that are AI-based today, and they will continue to grow. And then the next after that is the care delivery aspects of it, right? You're talking about therapeutics, pharma procedures that are innovated every day for a specific kind of disease states and surgery and so on. There are all these different types of care delivery therapeutics. There's innovation happening and there's data generated and there could be predictive analytics and data science that could be applied there. Same thing goes for post-care monitoring. There is a lot of routine checkups that happen. Now we're all wearing wearables and wearables are generating data and there's a lot to be learned from how a patient is feeling and that itself can be codified into a system that helps assist health systems to deliver better care. So I only covered everything to do with a patient's journey. Obviously, healthcare is huge. It's vast and it's complex. If you start accounting for how people get paid, how hospitals get paid, what the roles that payers play and the roles that pharma plays and the role that PBMs play and all of that, I don't want to mark it up with those aspects of the industry. So I just kept it to the limit my definition of opportunity for AI or data science to a patient's journey. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what you're talking about is in healthcare, you have the supply chain, how stuff gets moved around to the consumer. And then you have the consumer journey when they have to interject with the healthcare system through hospitals, clinics, and post-submission protocols and once they're released from the hospital. So in general, data science, at least how it's being leveraged today, most of it is leveraged either to build some recommendation or predict user behavior. To what extent, in your opinion, is this currently happening in the healthcare space, in the hospital space? In my opinion, I don't think it's happening enough. Right. We see like laser focused applications being built in the startup community. They're focused on a very specific problem and that's 
kind of being adopted into the health system. It's not all pervasive. We're still in the infancy of the adoption. And there's a lot of reasons for that. If you want, I can go into the reasons why that is the case. But then the opportunity in my mind is, I'll give you an example of one of the predictive models that we built. And this is built for a very specific cohort of cancer patients. In this case, this is for kidney cancer patients who have a tumor on their kidney. And the clinicians chose that their care path would be what they call partial nephrectomy, which is a surgery, surgical procedure, wherein the surgeons go in and remove the tumor and leave the rest of the kidney intact and functional. That's the objective of that procedure. So we essentially built a model for patients that all went through the same kind of procedure. And the model's objective was to predict intraoperative complications. So if you think about the life cycle or the journey of these particular cohort of patients, these are the patients who were diagnosed with cancer and they're mortified and they do their research and then they go through a number of consultations and then they finally decide to go down the path of doing a surgery. And some of these patients go through the surgery and they do just fine and they're moved on and they're cancer-free. And some of the patients, not so much, right? They run into complications during the surgery. And then next thing you know, they have more problems to deal with after surgery. Some of them even develop other forms of cancer after the surgery, right? So there's all kinds of different information that exists in this cohort of patients that we use to build a predictive model. And the whole point of that is to help patients of the future. If you understand how a certain type of patient could develop a complication during surgery or post-complication post-surgery, you can essentially use these models to figure out if a future patient would run into that and then they can at least avert that event by doing something else as opposed to a surgery. In the example you provided, which is the predictive modeling for kidney cancer, can you talk about how is the sausage made? Like, How do you build an artificial intelligence solution that looks at the data and comes up with specific recommendations? And what are some of those recommendations that a doctor may see in this example? Yeah, so if you think about that particular model, the way we see this model being used in operations or in care delivery would be, let's say a new patient comes in, he's mortified because he's diagnosed with cancer and they are now trying to decide what is the care path for them, whether it is chemo, whether it is radiation or surgery. In all these cases, you know, let's say they do pick surgery and there are some attributes that exist within this patient's profile that match some of the other patient's profile, then you know that they may have similar outcomes as the patients that we built from. So if you are asking what is the mechanism that is used to build these models, I'm going to step back and kind of talk about that for a second. So you essentially have preoperative data for the patients. So they go through imaging and they go through CT scans, MRIs, whatever gives them the visibility into what is the structure of these organs that are cancerous. And also the patients are going through a number of series of blood tests and you're measuring creatinine These when you have a dysfunctional kidney and a number of other biomarkers like that. And it's somewhat of a time series information over time. 
right? And essentially looking at this preoperative data and also intraoperative data that is collected during the surgery and postoperative data for the existing patients. And the models are built. The endpoint in this case is you're trying to predict who would run into a complication during surgery and who would run into complication post-surgery. So those are your endpoints and you're essentially collecting the ground truth from existing patients and you're essentially building models using that ground truth. Now those are codified into these models and those can be exposed as a service to be consumed within the EHR system or it can be used as a standalone system. So that's one mechanism through which you can essentially build these AI models. Awesome. So the other question I have is like, so you've built a model for kidney cancer. Like, how do you validate that it actually works? Like, how do you QA an AI? Yeah. So, I mean, as part of the data science process, right, you essentially, let's say you are working with about a thousand patients as an example, like you can essentially set aside 30% of that data for validation and testing. And then you build the model with only 70% of the data you have. That's how you would at least, once the model is built, you're essentially validating against that test data, right? So that model has never seen this 30% of the data. So you're at least being unbiased in that sense. And you also need to make sure that the data is balanced in a way. So if let's say you're trying to measure the intraoperative complications, you need to make sure that you have a balanced data set in your development data, I mean the model training data, as well as your validation and testing data. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of the common things that I hear from health systems, either from administrators or from hospital CEOs, is this fear that like artificial intelligence is very opaque. But like, there's no way to really tell why something is happening. Like, there's no code you can look at. And I just wanted to give you an opportunity to, to talk about it in terms of how AI comes about and whether ultimately, at the end of the day, we should trust the output or not. Yeah, I mean, this, you're talking about the explainability question, right? And that's a pretty common conversation in the AI circles, right? Especially if you hang out with enough academia people, they all complain that this is a black box and you don't know what's really happening inside, especially if you're talking about models based on deep learning or neural networks, because the networks are essentially learning from the data and you can't really explain how it's doing that. And that's a pretty common known issue. And I don't really have a good answer for that, quite honestly. It is true, but they work, right? I think to me, the way I see it is if you have a lot of models that are working, You just can't explain why it's working, but it it works every time. Over time, people will stop asking that question because that's basically what it is. Like, it's almost like, why does gravity exist? Yeah, sure, there is theory around it, but then over time, people don't have to worry about gravity anymore. It is what it is, right? I think this is just my point of view on how I see this AI world evolve where we stop questioning the black box because black box becomes, it's very predictable. You know it works and you know it is making the right decision. I mean, just like the way what Amazon's doing, right? Recommendation engines are pretty good in e-commerce sense. They've been pretty well, uh, well trained and are people really going in and digging in and understanding every aspect of all the layers in the neural network? Probably not. At least I don't think so. Yeah, but on the other hand, Amazon 
has been around for 20 years and kind of artificial intelligence, particularly in the healthcare space, it's only become something that people are paying attention for the last four to five years. So they exactly. like, you know, you trust Amazon implicitly because it's been around for so long. Exactly. And it's also because of its scale, right? You have so much data and the big data is pretty clear with Amazon's and Google's of the wall and even Netflix with its recommendation engines. And healthcare is somewhat siloed in the sense that the data of every human being is, is not captured. It's only there. It's very fragmented across the industry. My hope is that as AI world evolves in healthcare, that will become less and less of a problem. I mean, the whole data interoperability is still a real problem, and that's something that has to be solved. And not only that, I think the data engineering challenges are huge in healthcare. We're far away from having a seamless system like AWS or Amazon ecosystem, right? We're far away from that in healthcare, that's for sure. Yeah, and then the other thing to consider is that yeah, I mean, to your point, data interoperability is something we've been talking about in the industry for probably decades, at least a decade, and it's still not there. And a big problem that we have when it comes to data interoperability is the fact that data is sitting in silos. And you have anybody from insurance companies to health systems to third-party systems that cater to, let's say, patients once they get out of the hospital and or large software providers like Epic, Cerner, et cetera, they all keep data hostage in their own silos. And that makes it very difficult, at least when it comes down to artificial intelligence, to, to have not just access to data, but insights across the patient journey. Exactly. And that is a challenge that, again, I don't want to make any controversial statements here, but the reality is that when there is incentive coming from the top to share data and everyone shares data about every patient that encountered a specific disease, we will have a better understanding of that disease when that data flows seamlessly. And you will also have a better understanding of even the behavior of that disease in different people and the genetic markups of different people, right? And all of that is in its infancy at the moment. So when you said from the top, are you talking about a government regulations that could be put in place? Yeah. To, yeah, uh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, we're fragmented because you have, I mean, rightfully so, whatever the evolution of healthcare in US is, you have different insurance companies that only have claims data and they're the payers. And then you have all these health systems that compete with each other for the same patients. And it's really a business. And a lot of the decisions are made based on economics and not based on clinical outcomes. And that has to change over time. I mean, I think the value-based care delivery is kind of taking the country in that direction. And that's part of the reason why, to me, right now, if you look at the world of the hospitals and health systems, they're riding on two different boats. One is value-based care and the other is fee-for-service. And they're operating with both of those models. Fee-for-service insurance companies are the ones who are taking on the risk. And value-based care, you would have to have the providers take on the risk. When the risk becomes your problem, that's when predictability is important. That's when health systems will have to democratize their own data and even partner with other hospitals to build better predictive tools and utilities that make them a little bit more 
capable of handling the risk in terms of how much money they would have to pay out if there is a complication. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. There's certainly been quite a lot of attempts, I would say, over the last, at least the last year to regulate this more and to make data more transparent. We're still not there, to be clear, but there's definitely changes that are happening kind of in the right direction. So we've kind of touched a little bit even right now, talk about interoperability, but what do you think are the biggest challenges to wider AI adoption in the healthcare system outside of what we discussed already, which is uh, data being siloed? What are the other challenges? The most obvious one is that the clinicians think that AI will replace them and so on, right? And that's a real concern. I mean, just because if you think about the diagnosis tools that are coming to market are minimizing the role of the radiologist. Because I think the reality is that even within, if you take a specific medical imaging image that has a tumor in it that radiologists are trained to identify, there is variability from radiologist to radiologist, right? But at the end of the day, if a model is trained from the best of the best radiologists, they can always outperform any individual radiologist, right? And I think that's a concern. I'm sure you would agree with that. It's an unknown, right? It's an unknown world, what it's going to be like, who will be the winners, who will be the losers. That's a big question mark on all of the current incumbents, right? I think that that could be another challenge. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, in addition to this, I would say that I think the fear of something new is one of the biggest issues. And it's not just specific to healthcare. It happens anywhere. In the healthcare space, you also have liability. Right, people being afraid of, of trying new things because they don't know if, let's say, you know, AI algorithms may come up with the wrong outcome or recommendation, which will then impact insurance premiums for doctors, so like liability insurance. I think also is just timing. I mean, artificial intelligence as it's being applied to healthcare, it's really in its infancy. So yeah. I think there has to be more evidence-based analysis of outcomes than we already have. And it's happening pretty much every month, right? That we see like, hey, there's a new Google solution that's better at diagnosing lung cancer than pretty much anything else, better than doctors. Same with a variety of conditions, but they're kind of like, you still like drops in a bucket. You're not truly getting like a more generalized view. But over time, there's definitely we're going to see more and more engagement when it comes down to artificial intelligence for the healthcare system, particularly as more and more large companies adopt it at scale. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And that is our observation as well. There is also places, I don't know if there are any of your audiences are trying to get into healthcare and AI space. There's also you know, a lot of adoption of data science in clinical trials and doing a lot of correlation analysis and things like that, wherein not necessarily in pharma. I mean, pharma is doing a lot, I'm sure, and they're using AI for drug discovery and so on. There's a number of startups and established companies in that space, but there is also a lot of opportunity in nutraceutical space. Nutraceutical space as in there is a certain type of vitamin, mineral, whatever it is packaged up as a, it's not an over-the-counter kind of thing, but you can essentially do clinical trials and similar to how you would do that and bring empirical evidence 
at scale to prove that this particular product actually works. There's opportunity there for companies to also use AI in that space. Yeah, absolutely. So, Madhu, as we come to the end of the podcast, and you're thinking both about like your company and where the industry is heading towards, like what role do you think data science will play in healthcare, let's say 10 years from now? Like if we look back 10 years from now, like what are some of the trends that you think would have materialized by then? Yeah, I mean, this is almost like predicting what could happen. And there's a lot of ifs and buts around that, right? But, you know, the reality is if a lot of the interoperability issues are tackled and handled, a lot of health systems would become huge data science companies. They're essentially, they have the entire closed loop data pipeline wherein you're caring for the patients and then every patient's outcomes are fed back into the model for the model to learn from. And it gets better and better and better over time, just like the way how Amazon and Google's algorithms have gotten better and better. So to me, whoever has the data and the data pipeline in a closed loop way that is caring for the patients and with patient in the center and the patient outcomes in the center, they are the ones who would be the winners. And that will become a commonplace, I think, in the next 10 years. What about the second part of the question? Where do you see uh, ready minds at, let's say, you know, five years from now? Yeah, so we're working on a number of products at the moment that are generating value for different stakeholders in the healthcare ecosystem, such as surgery or primary care and specific specialties that we're focused on. And our hope is that we generate value through that and improve outcomes for the patients by applying AI and data science to the healthcare data that is predominantly unused. So we see us being a dominant player in that space where we're providing consulting as well as providing our products as we grow. Gotcha. So kind of migrating from being a service provider to being a product company that solves problems through your own platforms that are being launched in the healthcare system. Correct. That is essentially our plan. Excellent. Well, Madhu, Ready Boina, thank you so much for joining the Healthcare Weekly podcast today. And I'll keep my fingers crossed and hopefully five years from now, you will have become a big player as a productized company in the healthcare space. Thank you, Kodran. Thank you for the opportunity to speak with you today. Thanks for listening to the Healthcare Weekly podcast. Don't forget to visit us at healthcareweekly.com. Subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast app to get a notification every time a new episode is released. Do you know of an inspirational health leader who should be on our podcast? Email us at hello at healthcareweekly.com with details. Healthcare Weekly Podcast. Healthcare innovation starts here.